Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Anoint our ears. Anoint our hearts, minds and our lips, O Lord, even as we speak and hear your word. Father, there is only one teacher. It is you, Spirit of the living God. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. And lead us into life everlasting. Touch every one of us, O Lord. Thank you, Father. We just commit every one of us into your hands. Lord, unless you speak, there will be no quickening, O Lord. Father, everything that, the, that, that man speaks will be just dead words, O Lord. But unless you anoint those words, Father, I pray, Lord, there will be anointing this morning in, in each one of our lives. Lord, the anointing which, which, which will teach us all things. Teach us this morning. We thank you. We praise you. We surrender ourselves this time into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, even as we are going through this time of seeking God's face before we enter into our 12th year as a church, uh, 7th day after the resurrection, uh, I was thinking about one particular thing, that theme that we should uh, understand and review regularly. And uh, this is found, of course, in Acts chapter 1, and I'll just tell you what, what this is all about. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 onwards, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That was Jesus' pattern. First he did, and then he taught. So in Luke's first epistle, that is the gospel according to Luke, he talks about all that Jesus did and all that Jesus taught. Until the day that he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So even after resurrection, Jesus is still giving instructions to the apostles through the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens. And after this, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So we have exactly 40 days before we enter into the 12th year, after the resurrection of course, we have exactly 40 days before we enter into 12th year as a church. And what we should ask corporately and as individuals in our daily meditations or even even as we seek the Lord daily, is that God will speak to us specifically about the kingdom of God. And the songs that we sang today, Jesus, all about you, from heavens, from the earth to the heavens, you be the center. Now that's that's what uh, should be the focus. And let's get back to the focus and let's see what it means to understand the things of the kingdom of God. What does it mean? How do we understand? How do we position ourselves in terms of attitude so that God can speak to us about his kingdom? Because the gospel is the gospel about his kingdom. Ultimately, there are only two kingdoms. Your kingdom, God's kingdom. Okay, which will prevail? It's not even the kingdom of Satan. It is your kingdom or God's kingdom, which kingdom will prevail. So that is what we want to look at. So right from, right from, uh, uh, his resurrection, Jesus was talking to them about 40 days. That's remarkable. And it just, can you imagine? It took Jesus, the most anointed, the, the anointed, not the most, the anointed one, 40 days, to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God. So how much more it should take us. 
Okay, so we need to position ourselves. Look at what it says again, continues. And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still looking at earthly kingdom, a political solution. But God is saying, he said, it is not for you to know the times and dates the father has said by his own authority. But what you know what he said? He said something very powerful. He says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria and the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And what is the thing? In other words, if you really, really, really want to be a citizen of the kingdom and to continue to live a life in the kingdom, it is not possible in your own strength unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. So we will, so we look at what, what it means to position ourselves to understand the things of the kingdom of God. And uh, this is of course found in the famous sermon. And we will look at one particular aspect. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 onwards. And seeing the multitudes. He went up on a mountain. And when he was seated. His disciples came to him. It's very interesting. He, seat, he was seated. Okay, He took his chair. You know, if you are in universities, there will be chairs. Chair of mechanical engineering. Chair of computer science. What is that chair? He is the head of the department who will sit in that chair and he will decide the curriculum for the course every year. Okay. Now, this is exactly what is happening here. Jesus is seated. He becomes the chair of the university of the kingdom of heaven. And he decides the curriculum, if you will, of the the manifesto, if you will, of the kingdom of heaven. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely For my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The first sermon that Jesus preaches, he starts off with a blessing. The last word in the old covenant before the old covenant closes in Malachi chapter 4, it ends with a curse. And the first word that Jesus opens when he opens, of course, after when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, even he's actually preaching the manifesto of the kingdom of God, he says, blessed. And he's talking about what it means to be truly, truly blessed. Dhanya. Dhanyalu is what is in Telugu and in, 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 in Hindi it's Dhanya. means you're rich. Okay. Rich if you are so and so. So let us make a few observations first. Uh, many scholars make this observation. First, he talks about poverty of spirit, a spirit of mourning, so that you can be comforted. 
a spirit of meekness, a spirit of hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and an attitude of purity in heart. And if you look at these, this is an internal heart attitude. Something to do with internal things. It's Nobody sees this. This is an attitude of the heart. And something else he also talks about, it's, he talks about blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the merciful. What are these things? This is your attitude towards others. Okay, So you have an internal heart attitude and you have an attitude towards others. Now, if you have this internal attitude and if you have this kind of an attitude towards others, what will others do to you? You will be persecuted and you will be reviled for his name's sake. This is the attitude of others towards you and why should you have why should you go through this entire process of creating this attitude inside of your heart and have an attitude of helping the others and in spite of them reviling you and persecuting you is because of this that you will become the salt of the earth and that you will become the what the light of the world that's the whole purpose the whole purpose is to make you the salt what does salt primarily do it's it delays the process of corruption rubs and essentially you and i in this world corrupt generation be do not be matched i mean do not make friends of this corrupt generation but you and i being a salt in this generation one of the things that we do is we delay the judgments of god and the moment we are taken off what happens the holy spirit the restrainer is gone and the lawless one will be revealed and there will be absolute chaos so the whole purpose is that we become salt and that we become light. That we show God's God's uh, work in our lives, through our lives, and that we will touch others. But all begins with a fantastic, fantastic blessing. What is the first blessing he's talking about? Let us look at that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice something, observations that I want to make. You are not blessed because you are spiritually poor. No. That is not because everybody is spiritually poor. You are blessed because you have realized that you are spiritually poor. That you are, what does it mean? We'll talk, look at that later. Realizing, so realizing your true spiritual condition is a great blessing. That is the reason why, you know, Jesus sarcastically said, I did not come to heal the people who are whole. I came to heal the people who are sick. Sarcastic. If you don't realize that you are sick, boss, sorry, doesn't matter. And then, remarkable, this is one man of God, he looks at me, he makes another interesting observation. He says, he says, he does not start with blessed are the pure in heart. I mean, that's remarkable, no? Blessed are the pure in heart. He doesn't start there. He starts at the base, the lowest point where all of us can be. If you realize our condition. That is God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. What are these people who are poor in the spirit? What does it mean in this context? It means at least three things. Poor means people who don't have any strength. Absolutely no strength. Okay. They don't have any skill. No skill. Third thing, no education. Okay. No other way to survive other than to beg. 
and they're ashamed of it. I mean, if you look at some people, no, when they when they come to your when they come to you, they don't even want to show their face. And you know what? The irony of it all is, is that is true blessedness. That is remarkable. If you realize that you have no strength, you have no skill, no education, no other way to survive other than to beg, that is, that attitude spiritually is called true blessedness. I mean, just to look at, give us ourselves a graphic illustration. This could be a very crude one. Uh, look at this person over there, no? Absolutely dependent upon the mercy of others. Have you seen beggars on, when they come to your car, when you are there? I mean, look at their faces. I mean, some of them just close their faces because they don't want to, they don't even want to show their faces to them, to you. You know what God is saying? If you have this attitude spiritually, spiritually you realize that without God you are absolutely undone. Blessed is that church who realizes that. Now, point is this. This attitude has to be given by God first. And you can begin with this attitude but end up with a very, very, very high opinion about yourself. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 17 about a church which is called the Laudation Church. Look at what he says, uh, Jesus has to say. Revelation chapter 3 verse 17. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, I have need of nothing and you what? Do not know that you're what? You're wretched, miserable, the same word, poor. The way I see you and the way you see yourself. Absolutely beggarly in front of me. Blind and naked. I look at another church which is, which was so full of spiritual gifts. Full of spiritual gifts. I mean, because they were oozing spiritual gifts. Name the gift, they have it in their church. But totally compromised. Look at what Paul has to say about that church. First Corinthians chapter 4. You all, you are already full. Verse 8 onwards. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 onwards. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings with orders. And indeed I could wish you did reign. That we also might reign with you. Being sarcastic. Oh. All kings. I wish. I was there with you. For I think that God has displayed as the apostles last as men condemned to death. Meaning, you know, this is what, 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 this is how, uh, Paul is, uh, picturing himself. You know, a lot of people call themselves apostles. What is his name? Apostle, so and so, so and so. And how does he come with a suit and a three-piece suit, etc., etc. But you know what, how an actual apostle looks, according to Paul, you know what he says? We are like, you know, displayed for I think that God has displayed us apostles the last, meaning what? You know, when a king conquers an army, he, this general comes into the town with his, with his, uh, with his entire platoon behind him and everybody is putting flowers and says, long hail, hail, long live, etc., etc., etc. And then what happens after the platoon? You have a bunch of prisoners of war. Shattered, limbs broken, beaten up. Change completely, you know, uh, humiliated. That is what Apostle is thinking about himself. For we have been as made a spectacle both to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour we be both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. You see, the apostles were not rich. You need to understand that. 
You know, one of the things that we need to understand when we, when, when God has called you for the ministry or whatever the calling, you do not come because he makes us rich. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the fill to the world, the offscoring of all things until now. You see that? This is what it means actually to be poor in spirit, to realize that we are nothing without God. What happened to the church in Corinth? They thought they attained it all. They have become, they have come off age spiritually. But God sees a spiritual condition. People living in absolute compromise. And God has to deal with that. So much so, some people he says, I'm going to hand them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So what are the things that can make us really, really spiritually not poor? And I was trying to look at the scriptures to find what are the attitudes that we may think that we have, that will make us not have this attitude of, of spiritual poverty. One of the big stumbling blocks. Can, I, can we all read that? Read that loudly? Knowledge. Look at, look at what Paul has to say about knowledge. First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But Love edifies. You know what that word puffs up means? Imagine that you, you know, you have a, somebody, uh, threw a huge stone on your, on your, uh, feet. What will happen, brother, Dr. Richard? It'll swell. That is puffing up. Now what happens if, you, what is there inside? There's no substance. There's only hawa. That is what we call all India rank. Hawa. So you, uh, A-I-R, okay, all India rank. So they have Hava there, no? And you know, if you, anybody touches that Hava, what will happen if you touch somebody having a swelling? What, what does it do? Ah, he screams. That is knowledge. And, and look, at, look at what he says. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, as you ought to know. Amazing. And look at the contrast, he says. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. You understand that? It is not how much you know about God. The point is, does he know you? Or it will be like the sons of Skiva. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Yevar Nubu. November. And you know what is going to happen to you? The same demons will jump on you and they will make you naked. And they will show you what you truly are spiritually. That's exactly what happened to Paul. Saul. Apostle, not Apostle Saul. King Saul. I mean, he wanted to go and confront the, and persecute some of the, the, some of God's anointed. You know what happens? Even as he is going, the spirit of the Lord falls upon him. This guy has no heart towards God. He, the spirit of the Lord falls upon him and now he absolutely naked and prophesying. That was his true spiritual condition. God has to show us our true spiritual condition. So knowledge is something 
puffs up. You know, it's uh, I think Zappun made a very interesting illustration. You know what he talks about? Knowledge is like having a lot of furniture, but no home. You're going to Ikea. This is fantastic. This sofa set is fantastic. This uh, divan is fantastic. These lamps are beautiful. You have all the decorations, but no home. That is knowledge. That is that is the reason why it says, uh, we'll come to that later on, but understand this, no? First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand what? All mysteries, all knowledge, all faith, so that I could move mountains, but have no love. You see that? That you love him and you are known by him. But if you don't love God, you are what? Very difficult for us to say, right? Lord, I love you. Peter was exhorting us. Lord, still the Lord you love me. Yo, so difficult. What holds that knowledge together? The fear of the Lord is the beginning. What is the other thing that can really puff us up? Keep us opposite to spiritual poverty, uh, to not to have that attitude of spiritual poverty. What is the other thing? Wisdom. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a what? A fool first before he can be made wise. See that? That means, you. Ha- what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to use your knowledge. And a lo- lot of people have worldly wisdom, but that does not mean that they are experts in God. It's very, very interesting. I gave this example several times. Think about it, no? Think about it. You have a problem in your stomach. Very, very, very sick in your stomach. It could be a major uh, problem. Whom do you go to? Hannah? Gastroenterology. She's perfect. She goes to AIG. She went for a job there. Okay. She will go to AIG, Asian Institute of Gastroenterology. She will go there. No? Will you ever go to a civil engineer? Think about it. Are you, no, 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 no. That, that is a person who actually came up with this technology to build this uh, Hyderabad metro. Do you know the kind of technology that they used? The kind of engineering that they used to build the Hyderabad metro? It's become one of, uh, what do you call, world's mega structures. It's going to come in National Geographic, by the way. It's the largest, whatever, elevated railway track in the whole world. It's an engineering marvel. Cre- with with the you see the uh, you see the uh, the the stations. You know the stations are are built upon a structure called cantilever beam structure, and that was an actually an engineering marvel. They, literally, they had to balance the whole thing, all the stresses and forces on small small pins. And if you go into station, you'll see that it looks like small bird. But when you go inside, did you see the space? How much space they have? Huge. It was an engineering marvel. Those incredibly brilliant civil engineers. Think about that guy. And he will come and say, Hannah, where do you want to go and waste AIG money? Go take some gas. Could be some gas. What are you? The civil engineer told me. Will you do that? Nonsense. Just because he's got some wisdom in this world doesn't mean that he has, he can become an expert in, in spiritual things. What should he do? He has to become a fool first. All my knowledge and all my PhDs and H2SO4s, whatever I have, I should come and say, Lord, it is nothing. I should just 
just put it into the garbage bin and say, I'm a fool, so that I can be made what? Wise. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 26 verse 2. 2 times 6? 12. 26, 12. But you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So, what can puff us up? Knowledge. What can puff us up? Wisdom. Wisdom of this world. Knowledge of things. Wisdom of this world can puff us up. What about revelation? Ah, revelation about God. Can that puff us up? Oh, this is where the spiritual side comes. This is, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 onwards. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Who came to me? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Let I, lest I be exalted above measure. Who's this? Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? 13 at least epistles in the new covenant. Incredible mysteries. Exquisite logic. You read through the book of Romans. I mean, you have to crack itself, to crack the book itself. I, I believe he wrote the entire book in a week. Somebody said he wrote it in a week. Or some people say he wrote it in a day or two. To understand what he has written, people are breaking their heads in centuries. You know what he says? I have got tremendous revelations, but because of that, I could become puffed up. And you know what God does? He sends him a messenger of Satan. That messenger, I don't know what that is. We don't know. We don't know what that messenger is, who that messenger is, what it did, did to Paul, so what struggles that Paul, that, that Paul had to go through in order to stay humble. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord how many times? Mm, how many times did Jesus plead? How many times did Moses plead? That he would could enter into the promised land? Three times. Moses, Jesus, Paul. All of them Jesus said. God said, no way. So that you will stay humble. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you, sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my, what? Infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon that. Can you imagine? Can you go around and say, I'm not good at this. I'm not good. Can you say that? Honestly, some people very, with you, they use, they have humblicity. They don't have humility. What is, what is humblicity? They act as if they're very, very, very humble, but they're not. They just, they're just only acting humble. No? It's like, you know, you, you have the people in your own class, right? Nothing. And then we are all like, like fools over here, no? That is not what he's talking about. A real realization that without God, I can understand nothing. I am nothing. I'm a total zero. Like uh, Yogi Adityanath said. Zero plus zero is equal to zero. Thank you, Yogi Ji. Revelation. And one, one, <laughs> one, one uh, commentator, right? A political commentator, he has a very sarcastic, Yogiji, don't you understand? The greatest contribution for by Indians to mathematics is zero. So we have two zeros. And we are all zero, by the way. All of us, and I remember, have you seen that example that Brother Zach gave? Zero, 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 zero. Preacher, zero. Politician, zero. Scientist, zero. All zero, 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 zero. You can have several zeros, PhD, Zero. More, more, you're feeling more insecure. Another PhD, zero. If you're feeling more even secure, okay, fine. Another postdoctorate, zero. Zero, zero, zero. Unless you have Jesus, the one, you'll have nothing in your life. No value. Everything's zero. 
Revelations without humility will destroy you. Revelation has to make us humble. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 1. <laughs> we looked at this on Wednesday. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his who? Bond servants the things that must soon take place and he communicated and he sent and communicated uh, it by the angel to his bond servant John. So what does John think of himself? Eman kunno John? Three languages. Okay. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. I, John, your brother, fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance. I'm a brother. No title. No reverend. No right reverend. No left reverend. No reverend doctor. You should see the titles that people give you. <laughs> Some things that you haven't even done. It is also added to you. So, knowledge can puff you up. Wisdom can puff you up. Revelations can puff you up. Righteousness can puff you up. Do you know that? Right living can puff you up. It's very difficult for people who are living a righteous life to be humble at the same time. Look at what it says. I mean, this is remarkable. Romans chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to look at two verses to get the spirit. Okay, just don't go through the letter. Just to get the spirit. Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, seeking to establish their own righteousness. They do not submit to God's righteousness. What does it mean? You know, you ask rabbis, why don't they, why don't they accept Jesus as the Messiah? You know what they say? One of the, one of the issues that they have, you mean to say a sinner who has lived an absolutely debaucherous lifestyle, he can trust in Messiah. It doesn't matter what all he has done. Just because he has trusted in Messiah, God will give him righteousness. This is an affront to us. We cannot accept this. Righteousness by works. You mean to say a murderer at the last minute just before he's dying say Lord remember me today in paradise and God will consider him righteous. righteous. Sorry we will not accept this Messiah. What about us who have been striving all these days. Another kind of people. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 13. When I say to the righteous, meaning righteous in God's sight, that you shall surely live, meaning how does the righteous live by? Gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from first to last is by faith. So you started by faith and you don't have faith in your righteousness, you have faith in God's righteousness. What happens here? If He trusts now to his own righteousness. And what does he do? And he commits iniquity. All his... Read this please. Ah, read that now. Righteousnesses. That's wrong English. But the KJV renders it this way. All your righteous acts. Because you began to trust in your own righteousness. Is what? Zero. Cancelled out. You'll be considered. So you are righteous. I'm telling you honestly, you know. You walk with the Lord. One of the dangers is spiritual pride. 
spiritual pride the biggest danger you begin to overcome sin in your life and you become a little holy you know what you look at the other brothers and you have a condescending attitude toward others it's supposed to break you it's supposed to break your heart and pray for the other brother that is the reason why sometimes thorns in the flesh you know what thorn in the flesh is god will allow certain struggles to remain i remember one preacher who used to struggle with homosexuality he was not committing homosexuality he was not living in homosexuality no he was not he hated it and god called him into ministry and every time he has to preach through the week he used to struggle with it and he used to say lord take away this struggle god said and if i take away the struggle you will become proud let that let the thorn be in you let the thorn be in you so that when you struggle you will know that without me you can do nothing because lot of people overcome one sin and then fall into a deeper pit called spiritual pride okay so what can what what are the four things we looked at first one is knowledge wisdom revelation righteousness fifth one background in a word also let us look at one man with his background he has given us his resume okay philippians chapter 3 Though I also might have confidence in the flesh or boast in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Baba, kosher. Okay. Of the tribe of Benjamin, zeroing in on. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. Meaning, you know, I'll tell you what it means. Um, Hebrew of the Hebrews. Scientists of the scientists. Mathematicians of the mathematicians. No, no, they say, huh? they say, this, this, you know, who, who are the most proud scientists? You know that? You know who, the, who, the, who are the most proud scientists? I'll tell you who are the most proud. Mathematicians are the most proud. You know why? Mathematics is called the queen of sciences. And you should look at mathematicians, the condescending attitude they have toward other people. And so among mathematicians, there are other mathematicians who think they are better. People who work in pure maths, they think that all the people who are doing applied maths are fools. That is the reason why number theory is called the queen of mathematics. Number theory. Noendra? Kronecker. <laughs> Waste fellow. I know infinity. I know the man who knows infinity. That is Ramanujan. And by the way, by the way, don't get too excited about Ramanujan, okay? You know, when they asked Ramanujan, how did you get these equations? You know what he said? The goddess Maha, what is that? Kanchi, Kamakshi, Madhuramina, Manu, Meenakshi, the goddess Meenakshi came and wrote those equations on my, on my tongue. That's what he said. He confessed and he was serious about it, by the way. So all knowledge and all wisdom is not necessarily from God. Okay. So you have scientists of the scientists. And when I was growing up, uh, we all take sciences now. We have BIPC students, MPC students. Who's more proud? Huh? What? Wrong. BIPC. I'll tell you why. How many seats you have in engineering? Oh! So many seats. No, I got a rank. I had a friend called Trivikram Dusa. All his uh, brothers were doctors. 100 rank, 50 rank in MC those days. Baba, 
<laughs> okay, those days, no, uh, th- those days, and this fellow also was trying for his uh, for his uh, for his M set, and he got fifteen hundred rank, something like that, thousand rank. And uh, I went to his home. I also got some rank. Ah, he came the engineering. So many seats are there. I'm like, oh my goodness! I was so insulted that day. I wanted to show off my cheek. You know why? They, are, they all call themselves scientists of scientists because they have a background. They belong to some group. Condescending. Background. You know, somebody, I was listening to some man of God. You know what he says? You don't have authority because you have degrees. You have authority because you have anointing. What are you after? Degrees or anointing? You want to belong to a set of people? Be one of the boys. You will do it at the cost of your anointing. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. You know what he says? Bob, if I have to boast, then you which question a resume. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as what? D-U-N-G, not rubbish. Rubbish is a little, it's a little more euphemistic, but dung is garbage. Penta. Penta to samanam. And be found in men, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but the righteousness which is by faith in Christ. So that is, that is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And all of us, we are not immune to this. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. We are not immune to this. You have little knowledge. Baba, you will have, you will become a theologian and you will start writing blogs. There's a great danger. What is a great danger? What is this attitude? Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 sums up this attitude in one verse. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is what? Nothing, he what? Deceives himself. Remarkable, remarkable verse. You know something? There are four things which are deceitful in our life. First, our heart is deceitful. Our old man is deceitful. Okay, four things. At least two things here. And then, Satan is forever trying to deceive. You see that? Our heart is deceitful. Our old man is deceitful. Satan is forever trying to deceive us. Now think about it. If I add to this somebody else, who else can I add? Who can deceive me? Excuse me? Okay, let me see. Huh? God, kya baat hai? A for the day for you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, science and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. And for this reason, boy, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Can you imagine that? Your heart deceives you. So, dil ka mat socho. Tumara dil kya keh hai, usko mat socho. Heart is deceitful. Your old man is deceitful. Satan is forever trying to deceive you. Now add to that if I had God, you are gone. Finished. Chapter close. That's a great danger. 
Look at what it says. It says in Psalm 18, one of the very precious Psalms, no? Psalm 18, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. Ah. Don't try to. That is the reason why it says, I will catch the wise in their own what? Craftiness. I will catch them. You think that you are smart? Hmm, Baba, I am smart than you. See, that's very important for us to understand. You need to know this is such a tremendous danger. Our hearts are deceitful. Our old man is deceitful. There's a deception and Satan is forever trying to deceive us because there is deception inside us. No, yesterday we were, I was just talking to Pastor James yesterday or day before. You know what, he, you know, he made a very powerful statement. He said, only those people who are sick will catch a sickness. Okay. Do you know that you don't have to look for gossip, the gospel will find you? Gossip will find you. Somehow gossip will find you. Very interesting how gossip will find people. Gossip knows he's mine. <laughs> I have to tell him, Baba. He's waiting. I, I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. You no, know, some I, I called. I talked to some brother some time back. I mean, this guy was talking to me about you know this famous. I don't want to name that person now because you will all go and uh, look in the internet. And when you look in the internet and look that look at that stupid news, you will stop listening to that man of God. Oh, do you know this person? I heard that he was found this. This is what happened to him and he has confessed. What about this? And I'm like, my God, how did you get this news, Baba? How did this news find you? How did this news find you? It's a very very important question. Put in a question that you need to ask yourself. Do I have more knowledge about someone else than my own heart? You are a prime candidate for deception. Your heart is proud. You're puffed up. You're not spiritually poor. See, you need to understand that. So, these are these are the symptoms of spiritual poverty. What are the effects of if you don't if you're not spiritually poor? What will happen? Let us look at them in a negative sense. We look at positive verses, but let us look at them in a negative sense. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. You'll have no relationship with God. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the what? Is the kingdom of heaven. You see, the entrance into the riches of the kingdom of heaven is an attitude of beggarliness. You will never, never enjoy any relationship with God. Any, because kingdom of heaven can be interchanged with kingdom of God. And who is the ruler of the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ himself. You will never have a relationship, authentic relationship with God, unless you have the spirit. A beggarly attitude about yourself. You are nothing, Lord. Helpless without you. That's the reason why Paul puts it beautifully in Romans chapter 5. He says, when we were what? Enemies, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were without strength, four things, four things, powerless enemies with sinners, without strength, ungodly, still Christ died for us. Four things. No relationship, authentic relationship with God if you don't have this attitude. Second, no revival. Forget about revival. Oh, we are playing, praying for revival. Now look at what it says. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. We all know this very verse, very well. For this, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. 
I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. The question is, what does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. It's like a cut above the rest. Cut and separated. You're completely different from the other. Now let me ask you this question. Let us take uh, the smallest living unicellular organism is still amoeba. Right? Amoeba. Okay? Amoeba. How can you see an amoeba? Through an electron microscope. Who created amoeba? Answer? God. Think about a cherub. Cherub with how many wings? Six wings. Two wings closes its air, its eyes. Two wings closes its feet. Two wings it uses to fly. When you look at a cherub, what will happen to you? You will be scared to death. You will feel like worshipping him, by the way. And then if they are really authentic cherubs, you know what they will say? Please don't worship me. Okay? Now tell me, which is closer to God? Amoeba or cherub? Your answer? Come on. What do the cherubs keep on saying? Holy, holy, holy. So which is closest to God? In terms of likeness? Holy, uh, holy, 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 crying out. Everybody is so silent, they are not sure. Good. Let me tell you the answer. None of them is like God. Neither the amoeba, which is unicellular, which you have to see through an electron microscope, neither the cherub, which is closest to God, crying out, holy, holy, both are not same to God. God is completely the other. It's totally the other. That is God. That is holy. You know what he says? Me, who's totally set apart and other from creation, you know what I'm going to do? I will dwell in the high and lofty, lofty place with whom he was, was a broken spirit. Same thing, beggarly spirit. To do what? To, to revive. To revive. To bring revival in their hearts. To revive the spirit of the humble. To revive the heart of the contrite ones. The only way we can have a relationship with the Holy One is through this attitude of beggarliness. Can you imagine if we don't have this? We are completely... It doesn't matter how much knowledge I have, how well I preach, how ex, ex, excellently exposed scripture doesn't matter if I don't have this attitude. First step failed. If I fell in the first step, it doesn't matter how many steps I build, I'm gone. I'm building upon a wrong foundation. No revival. No communion. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is what? Near. You want to have a communion with God? Near to those who are of a, who are a, who have a broken heart and save such as a one who have a contrite spirit. Near. What is this nearness? What is this nearness? This is not nearness of distance. This is not nearness of distance. Where do I live? I live in Bonpali. Where is the church? Actually, a church is in my heart. Not in Jivan Jyoti. Church is in my heart. You know why? Because... The saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I'm near you. 
Not in terms of distance. How? In terms of nature. When you become humble, you know what God says? You and me are the same spirit. Come on, let's sit together and discuss. You know, that's exactly what David did not. Lord, who am I, Lord? He comes First, Nathan, he says, Lord, I have a, I have a zeal to build your house. I'm doing all this. And Nathan says, whatever is in your heart, please do it. He got the permission from the prophet. Now he's all excited. And the very next minute, God tells Nathan, go and tell him that he's not going to build the temple. You know what David does? He comes to God, sit at his, sits at his feet and he says, Lord, who am I, Lord? What am I? I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I was a, f- I was a fool taking care of sheep. You made me a shepherd of your people, Israel. What am I? Who am I? You know what God says? You and me are same spirit. We are near. We are near. Nearness in terms of, not in terms of distance, but in terms of nature. Nature. The Lord is near. That is the reason why. To the broken hearted. Because he was broken. You know why God breaks us? So that he can be near to us. Why does he allow us to go through suffering? So that he can be near to us. That is when we can totally be dependent upon God. We we have the opportunity to be dependent upon God. And so that he can come and literally, what do you say? Cultivate that attitude and nature inside of us. Lord is near. To those who have a broken heart and save such as that of a contrite spirit. So this, this 40 days, boy, I'm telling you honestly, seek God's face before we enter into the 12th year as a church. You see, it's remarkable year. Remarkable year. So many, so many spiritual blessings God has, God has promised us. So let us not, let us not miss them with wrong attitude. No communion with God. Second, next, no authentic worship. Look at what it says in Psalm 51 verse 17. The sacrifices of God are broken, are a broken spirit, and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. See that? No authentic worship. Let Come, let us offer the sacrifice of what? Praise. It is a fruit of our lips giving thanks. Your praise is not acceptable if it doesn't come from a broken heart. Or rather, you will never be able to actually praise God truly unless it is from a broken heart. Understand that? It's very difficult to praise, no? Think about it. I'll tell you why, why it is fallen man for, for us to say something good about somebody is so difficult. Very, very difficult. No? If a brother is a little better than you, Slightly. Ah, anni unnai gaani. Aido tana mukhtele. Miku telagana vala kardam gaale denga. Anni unnai gaani. Aado kathle. Everything is there, but that is not. Everything is there, but is his lame. Kunto adu. See, you, you cannot just. Praise people. You know, it's so difficult for fallen men to praise. But you know what God does? He comes and he just lavishes praises on people. You know, when he comes to a church, you're good. Ephesus, you're good. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. And then this is bad. How does he start off? He doesn't start with a bad first. He starts with a good. This is good. This is good. You're doing good. You know what? You do not approve your children. None, nothing your children do to you will satisfy you. 
you will destroy their lives. Ha, okay, okay, okay. Jason le, ha, kani ento chine mark le? Ento? 80%. Highest ento? Highest. What is the highest mark? Boss. Appreciate, no? You see, not only that we cannot give appreciation, we cannot also take appreciation because we know. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are People call genius, no? I mean, it's like a... Are you genius? Are you genius? Are you genius? You know, it's the sarcasm there is there in Andhra. Lot! Are you genius? Suddenly one fellow will turn. You know, ah, okay. We're just confirming. You know, genius? See that? You don't understand. This is because we have this that's a fallen nature. And the same attitude we'll get to take to God. Okay, God, you I praise you, you gave me a, a rise in my salary, but it could have been better. Okay, you gave me a nano, maybe. Okay, height you see, we're never able to appreciate things and therefore we are never able to praise God because it, it's so difficult. You know, the very fact that He has brought us out of, out of life to darkness is enough. God has to give us, need, give us anything that's enough for us to praise. You see that? No authentic worship because we don't, we don't have that beggarly spirit. You know, see, when you, when you give a beggar money, when he's really an authentic beggar, how does he do? It's natural for him. Just give him, let's say give him 100 rupees. What is a Jushi? Thank you. It's a hobby goes crazy. Do we go crazy when God gives us blessings? Nothing it does satisfies us. Because we don't know, we are comparing ourselves with somebody else. You know what, let me tell you something. You know what Paul says? Those who compare themselves with themselves are what? Answer? Not wise and Japedu. But I will, re- I will say, overrule that sorry, Apostle Paul. Uh, fools. See that? Broken heart. Praise from a broken heart. That is the reason why that song we sing. Hear these praises from a... Each time I think of you, my praises start. <laughs> love you so much, Jesus. I love you. When you think about Jesus, do pay... Does praises immediately, automatically start? Because they never start because you do not, we do not have a beggarly spirit. We are forever comparing ourselves with others. Okay. No authentic worship. No healing. Psalm 147 verse 3. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. Atlante, you know, we, we know that song in Hindi, right? Sisha ho ya dil ho, akhir. You know what it means? You take your heart and give it to somebody else other than God, it will be broken. Don't break my heart. Eki breaky heart. Sorry. So fragile, Baba. And you see, that is, you know something? Let me tell you something. This, 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 this attitude of, 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 um, enjoying our, uh, what do you say, our f- miseries is, is, is absolutely bad. 
let, let me show you this verse, no? I, I like this verse in, I, I'm reading it from the KJV. John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie, this is the important man, okay? And he knew that he had been there for now a long time. In that case, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? Pundu Pundu. Pundu Pundu. If you remove that, that something will go. Ah, I enjoy that. I like my broken heart. People are distracted, do you know that? I like it. I mean, as ultimate example is great Mr. Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses. This is after the frogs have multiplied, no? Frogs have multiplied. Frogs have multiplied. Who caused the frogs to multiply? When Jesus, Moses came or Aaron came and he did this, frogs multiplied. Now Pharaoh calls his wise men. What should they do? They should reduce the frogs. They also multiply. Are what did the, what a fool man. It's nonsense, no? They also multiply frogs. Instead of alleviating your problem, they have actually accentuated your problem. Why do you like it actually? The enemy like, knows what you like. Then you know what he says? Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Huh? Oh, you want me to take the frogs away from your life? Okay, Moses says. Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying when I, when I shall intercede for you. This is your honor. When do you want me to take away the frogs for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from your land and from your houses that they may go and remain? What will you say, Hannah? Now, and what did Pharaoh say? All right, tomorrow, last night. Uh, a little, last fix. Last, last puff. Last drink. Then I'll give it up. Ah, I'll, I'll miss this man. I'll miss that. Miss it. No healing. Because you love your state. Another danger. No revelation of God's word. Boy! When you will not understand the word of God. You will, it will just be one academic textbook without revelation. You read the textbook, it will be a dull, drab exercise without excitement. Why? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2 onwards. For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, Says the Lord, but on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite heart and who trembles at my word. Boy, when do you actually trembles at the tremble at God's word? When you understand what God's word requires of you, you understood the depth of it. You know, they asked uh, Martin Luther. They asked him, "Do you love this God?" He said, "I hate him." Why do you hate him? Do you see what he requires? 
What do you require from us? When you read the books, when you read the law, do you see what the Lord, I'll just give you one example, one example, one illustration. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Verse 12 onwards. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, we looked at this on Wednesday, sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you and when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. Meaning, when you are sending a person who is working under you, be generous with him. He doesn't want to work with you, don't say, Nathu Banjavan, Aha, last salary gada ustundi. Chipta No, 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 no. You know what God says? I'll tell you something. The moment authority is given to your heart, how will you handle it? If power is given to your heart, how will you handle it? If you have been made manager in your company, how will you handle your team? Em yosu? Hana? Aha. First of all, the colleague who was having a tiff with you on use container, first tip. I will be very interested in her promotion next year. Will you do that? Or will you be generous? <laughs> I gave that example in the church. No, I, my students, they, they misbehave with me. They had it. I'll be very interested in your practical exam. I will personally take your viva. Tachadod. What will happen to you? What will happen to you when authority is given to you? You know what God is saying? That is a revealer of your heart. You know what? I, what you know why I am saying this? Because naturally, in your natural state, you don't have the capacity to be generous with the people who are under you. You cannot be. That is what the law is teaching. So he is giving you the commandment to be generous. Because naturally you will, you will not. Verse 14, you shall supply him what? How? Liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, until you just give him a bonus and send him away. And I remember Pastor James, he's not here. Um, I, 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 I know him very well. You know, he's, I, I'm not ashamed that he's my mentor. You know, there used to be one uh, sister who used to work with him. Long time back, she used to take care of Andrew, right? What's it? Purnima, Sister Purnima. She used to, he used to call her the Shunammite woman. Pastor James, to literally take care of the horse. And when she was leaving, you should see the way he sent her away. I'll buy you a plot, I'll buy you a plot. Whatever. I know him. See? Ah, you're going? Now I'll know. Who will give you, who will serve you like the way I did? You will go to, I'll, I'll pray that you will give up. Very bad master. Very bad master. No, no, Then you will realize my value. No, 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 no. Pray that you will get a good master. Better than you. You know, when people come to our school and they want to leave our school, we tell our parents, we said, we want the best for your child. If you think that you don't want your child to be here, it is not going to do. We will pray that you will go to a better place. We will not hold anything against you. See, that is attitude. Why? 
from what the Lord has blessed you, you shall give him. You shall remember that you were a slave. You were a slave to sin. You could not save yourself. You are in a bondage. Did I not redeem you? Did I not forgive you? Now, you will hold your fist straight, like, like this tight, when you're going. You know what? Unless you know this. I'll give you an example. I was reading this book by Arthur Katz. Arthur Katz, he wrote a, his testimony. It's called uh, Ben Israel, The Odyssey of a Modern Jew. Ben Israel, The Odyssey of a Modern Jew. It's his personal testimony. And in that testimony, he's a Jew, okay? He's a Jew who becomes a Christian. He hates Christians and he hates Christianity. He hates Christ. And he was a, he was there during the, I mean, he very much alive during the World War, Second World War especially, when 6 million Jews were slaughtered. Remember that? And he became a GI in the in the American army. And in the 1950s, he visited Germany. He went to this concentration camp for the Jews called Dachau. Dachau, okay? He was walking alongside the concentration camp. He was looking at all the instruments of death and he was imagining his own people being slaughtered. You know how they were slaughtered, right? You know how they were slaughtered? They were being they were being uh, transported in, in trains, okay? They were tra- being transported in trains to the gas chambers, to the concentration camps, and packed trains full of human excrement, stinking trains, rich, educated Jews, stripped of all their embellishments and their accomplishments and their wealth. And then you know what? They come to the concentration camps. The door opens. When the door opens, you know what they do? Mothers with babies, first they grab all the babies and they take them to the huge fire and they dump them right in front of the mothers like that. And all, and then there's a doctor on campus. The doctor comes and says, okay, this fellow is very, very ill. Throw him out into the gas chamber. This fellow is ill, old. Throw him out. This fellow is very, very old, ill. He can do nothing. Throw him out. This fellow a little strong. Okay, use him for a while. This fellow strong. Use him for a while. This fellow lame. Throw him out. Throw him, throw him, throw him, throw him. And they killed and slaughtered without any qualms on their conscience. Six million of the Jews. And this guy now has become a museum. He's Going across, I mean, he's just traveling across this, looking at this concentration camp. All those memories come and he begins to feel sick in his gut. And he begins to weep and cry. And then he gets onto the train. I mean, he's totally shattered by the sight of the concentration camp. I mean, this is just a museum now. It's not just the concentration camp when it was. Can you imagine? The museum itself can churn your stomach. And now he's in the uh, now he's in the train. Now even as he's in the train, he's he's he, during his unconverted days, right? He's in the train and he looks and he's he's just trying to process all the things that he has seen in the concentration camp, right? And then right across him is an ex-German soldier, Aryan blonde, and he looks at him. That guy looks at him, a Jew and an ex-Nazi. In a same compartment in a train. And he looks at this guy. Now that guy, he was actually a victim of the war. Both his hands are gone. That soldier. Both his limbs are gone. 
what he has are plastic limbs, plastic hands, and they are connected by hooks to his flesh. And accidentally, one of the hooks comes off. And this Jew is looking at this guy. What you sowed, that's what you reap, he was thinking in his heart. And then he's like hating him from the bottom of his heart. But suddenly an impulse comes into his heart. And he thinks to himself, is a Jew supposed to behave like this? You know what he does? This Jew goes to his ex-murderer, takes the hook and puts it back into its proper place. And that guy looks at him and he says, thank you. Thank you so much. And he asked this question, do you remember what happened in Auschwitz? And that, that guy begins to cry and he says, never again, never again, never again. I don't want to remember that. And just before he leaves, this blonde Aryan ex-Nazi looks at a Jew and he says, my brother, thank you. And the moment he says, my brother, his heart breaks and he says, Lord, if I was in that fellow's place, I would have done the same thing to him. Adolf Eichmann, you know him. Adolf Eichmann was, was, was apprehended in Argentina and he was brought to trial. And he was being, he was being on trial and all the Holocaust survivors were, were, uh, you know, uh, witnessing against him. One after the other, they were naming all the atrocities Adolf Eichmann has done. And there was one Jew who was weeping and crying. And then they asked him, old man, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Did what this man do to you come suddenly back into your mind, into your memory? He said, no, I'm not crying because of that. I'm just thinking, if it were not for the grace of God, I would be Adolf Eichmann. You see, when you read the book, when you read the law, when you read the requirements, who God is and what requires from you, when you when you look at the Bible, you know what you'll do? You will fall at his feet and start trembling and you'll say, Lord, save me. And the Lord comes to you. You'll have no revelation of God's word otherwise. Romans chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? <laughs> no. Is the word of God sin? God forbid, nay, I did not know sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of covetousness, covetousness of every kind. But because apart from the law, sin was dead, meaning sin was lying dormant. Dead mean it was not active. The moment the law came, the sin came out. Don't copy. Ah, huh? What did you say? Don't copy. Let me see what I should do. Just imagine, no? Uh, we have uh, students who get their letters from the school. I mean, school will send letters to the parents, no? Uh, what is that called? Great sheet. Confidential to be opened only by parent. Huh? Somebody is already nodding. They are remembering China. Chaitanya Narayana. Yo. Chaitanya Narayana. Chaitanya Narayana. Oh, don't remember, remind me of those days. Okay, so suddenly the letter comes to your home. Who gets the letter? 
the child gets the letter. Confidential, open to be only by the parent. To be open only by the parent. What will you do? Imundo lopala. If it was only written to, uh, to Mr. Vijay Takota, that means if I'm the parent, to Mr. Vijay, Abigail would have said, ah, some letter, okay. Confidential only to be opened by Vijay Takota, father of Abigail. Ah, what should I do now? That is sin. Lying dormant. The moment the commandment came, sin revived. And showed you what you truly are. And ultimately, you know what? You'll cry out like Paul. Oh, what? Wretched man that I am who shall save me from this body of death. <sighs> no revelation of God's word unless and until you know God this way. That is the reason why Galatians chapter 3 verse 24 will say, Therefore the law was our schoolmaster, tutor, to bring us to whom? Christ. So that you may be justified. To bring you to that position where you say, Lord, this requirement of the Lord, who can? The requirement of the law, who can keep it? Nobody. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly. Watch me, Savior, wash me, Savior, or I die. Die. You see that? Long my imprisoned, prison, imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed the amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Galatians 3.24 The law was our schoolmaster. You see that? You want to have a revelation, therefore, of God's word? You want to have a communion with God? You have to have what? Poverty of spirit. So how do I? If I don't give you the solution, what's the whole problem defining the problem? I'm like a doctor. What is the problem, doctor? Idi, idi, idi. Any solution? No solution. I don't want to be that. Let's see what is the pathway to poverty of spirit. There's only one. You know what? It might sound very cliched. There's only one. One way. You have to have an encounter with the living God. So let me let me tell you the pathway to poverty of spirit. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's read from verse 1 onwards. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, Each one had six wings. With two wings he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And he cried one to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
when this has happened? In the year when King Uzziah dies. In the year King Uzziah dies in your life, you will see the Lord high and lifted up. Let us see what is the end result of this. We'll come back to that. Verse 4, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. I am undone. Beggarly. In other words, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among the midst of, in the midst of the people of unclean lips. Why? Because my eyes have seen the who? The king. The Lord of hosts. When King Uzziah dies in your life, you will actually see the king who is the Lord Jesus. Mention again in John's Gospel chapter 12, we can go there and this is essentially the Lord Jesus where John will talk about this being a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ himself as king. In other words, there are only two kind, two kings in your life. Either King Uzziah is your king or the Lord is king. And one of them has to die. Who is King Uzziah? King Uzziah is that one person in your life wherein, wherein you have put all your hopes. See, Isaiah was royalty. If you look at the, we'll come to that. We'll look at, if you look at the resume of King Uzziah, he was not a bad king. You know how many years he ruled? He ruled 52 years in Judah. 52 years. The longest king, of course, is Manasseh, who ruled for 55 years. Next to Manasseh, the only other king who ruled above 50 years is Uzziah. 52 years. Not a bad king. Excellent guy. Started when he was 16 years old. And you know what? And they say Isaiah is royalty. He had royal blood, meaning he was he was not just an any ordinary prophet from the priestly clan. He was a prophet from the royal clan. Now, who is this King Uzziah? King Uzziah was Isaiah's hope for Israel. He put all his hopes in King Uzziah. But he didn't put his hopes on God. It's like Abraham. Ishmael will not be your son. What does he say? Oh, that Ishmael will live before your eyes. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, the kids sang a song, right? That song actually uh, is a song of of actually the it's it's a song which describes the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? On the road to Emmaus, they're discussing. No, they're discussing about uh, about Jesus, and they say, "Oh my God, we thought this was this was the guy who would save us." And suddenly Jesus comes and their eyes cannot see. Did guy, did, did, uh, was a king, uh, was uh, Isaiah able to see the king? No, as long as King Uzziah is alive in your life, you will not be able to see the real king. Why were they not able to see Jesus? I'll tell you why. First of all, of course, Jesus restrained their eyes because their hope was different. You know what they were saying? We hoped that this man would redeem us from, from the Romans. As long 
as you think that Jesus is going to be the person who's going to be the Johnny on the spot for you trying to solve all your personal problems, your eyes will be shut. Johnny on the spot. What is Johnny on the spot? Lord, I need a job. Job. Lord, I need a wife. Wife. Lord, I need a better job. Better job. Uh, Lord, I need a promotion. Promotion. Johnny on the spot. Lord, I'm going through problem. Solution. That is what they, even the Hindus think about our Jesus. You know what they think? Jesus is the God who heals. <laughs> that is what, he's not going to just heal your physical sickness. Okay, he may, may heal. But there is a worse sickness in your heart. It's called the sickness of sin. Which is going to separate you eternally from God. I don't know. Somebody has to hear this. If you're playing with it. And all you're looking for from Jesus is, Lord, solve these problems and be a Johnny on the spot for me. And he refuses to be that. And you will never see him. As long as he's the one who's only solving your problems. King Uzziah, who's this guy? Let us understand him a little more. Let's look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter twenty-six, verse three onwards. Uzziah was Amaziah was his uh, was his uh, was his father. Uzziah was sixteen years old when he became king. Sixteen-year-old, under sixteen-year-old, anybody here in the in the house of the house of God? Don't be ashamed, Abba. Very good. Okay. God can use, don't think that you should become old to serve God. Okay? If you don't serve God when you are young, it is very difficult to serve God when you are old. Okay? Okay? When you are the best, when you have the best, you give it to God. When you have the best of your energy, Best of your talent. Best of your everything. Give it to God. I challenge you that, young people here. 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. His his mother's name was Jecoliah. She was from Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought the Lord during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord gave him success. Okay. You know, one of the prayers that you have to pray, Lord, let me not become successful before my time. You know, that prayer that uh, Solomon prayed in Proverbs chapter 30, the, the Proverbs of Lord, what is the king? Azur. Azur, what is his name? Yeah, you know what? Lord, let me not be so poor that I will be tempted to steal. Let me not be so rich that I will curse God. Let me have sufficient. Let me not be so successful, Lord. You know, I remember uh, Sundar Krishnan making this powerful statement. You know what he says? Lord, I pray every time. Lord, give me the blessing of obscurity. (laughs) That people should not know me. People should not know me. Give me the blessing of obscurity. Don't pick up, don't, don't run after success. 
Run after God. So you know what happens? Then you'll be able to hold success loosely. It doesn't matter if you're successful or unsuccessful, you'll still praise God. You'll not grasp on to success. Like Jesus said, no? He did not grasp on to becoming God even though he was God. And he sought God as long as there was a mentor. <laughs> yeah. As long as there was a mentor, he sought God. Mentor gone, God gone. Okay? When the cat is out, what does they say? Oh, yeah. So there's a saying, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. When the mentor gone, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of your heart. How can you work when nobody is watching you? That is the reason why, you know what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 6, go to the anti-sluggard who having no overseer, ruler or king gathers its food in the summer and prepares itself for winter. What about you? And as long as somebody is watching you, computer, the moment people are gone, you know, I, I remember C.S. Lewis giving this in, interesting illustration. If you want to know if, if there are rats in your basement, you will not say, you will not open the door of your house and before you are going to the steps, Hello honey, I am going downstairs to see if there are some rats. Thug, 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 thug. What will the rats do? They will all hide. And then you go to the basement, look around, do you see rats? No rats. Honey, no rats. When do you know whether there are rats or not? Slowly open. Like my dad used to do to me. Slowly open the door and I am reading. Okay. Agatha Christie, physics. Okay. Angel <laughs> Nana. Ah, no, no, physics. Ah, physics, ah. Okay, okay, okay. He'll come, he'll put the book down, nicely take the Agatha Christie and go. Without saying anything. That is how you know. Mr. Uzziah had a problem. As long as he had somebody to challenge him and probe him, he was okay. But the moment the challenge left away from his life, gone. Success went into his head. I don't know. It doesn't say that Zechariah died. It doesn't say that Zechariah died. But success went into his head. When success goes into your head, you know what you do? Not Automatically one thing happens, you will stop taking counsel from people. Because success has gone into your head. You know, I was, I should talk to Pastor James about this a lot, no? I, 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 sometimes I go to some places where, you know, there are mentors sitting there on the, on the, on, it's, it's, it works both ways, okay? Mentors sitting on the platform, and, uh, the, the guy who was mentored by these mentors comes and, you know, starts preaching. All the mentors are watching him, okay? And, you know, you should see the attitude of the mentor. Johnny come lately. I said, I said, Pastor, young guy preaching, 
What does First Timothy, Second Timothy say? Do not let anybody despise you because you are young. Meaning, it doesn't matter if the preacher is young or preacher is old. You have to have the attitude of listening from him. Doesn't matter. And you will see some senior people. I mean, I, one of the reasons why I respect Ravi Zak a lot is because you should see in his team, he's got a lot of young people in his team, okay? And he sits, he takes the backstage and he lets these people go. And take the front, take the, uh, take the you know, limelight. And he's mentoring them. And he's happy. And he's learning from them. Shibu's brother, son is not here so I can use this. Shibu is not here. Uh, Shibu's son is not here. He's left. He's left gone for the exam. No, Shibu, when we were, you know, in in in, in IIT, you know, uh, we used to have these uh, get. We used to have these functions that we do on campus, and he used to challenge us. You know, he used to mentor us, and he used to prepare us for the for the for the for the meeting for the gathering. And when the gathering was happening, all of us there in the limelight, all the professors and the students watching us. And where is Shibu? Nobody, nowhere to be found. He's gone. Disappeared. Nowhere to be found. It's an attitude. That I, I have a teachable spirit. Doesn't matter who's preaching, who's sharing the word. I want to learn of God. Because God is not a respecter of persons. Have this attitude, my dear brothers and sisters. Uzziah. In other words, the day when this attitude dies in your life, God is King Uzziah, dies in your life, you will be able to see God high and lifted up. Uzziah has something very foolish. But after Uzziah became very powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense and Azariah the priest stopped them. Now let me tell you what is happening over here. In the old covenant, the priesthood and the kingship, there was total demarcation between the kings and the priests. They were not the same. Because there was only one man who could fulfill the office of both the king and the priest. Who was that? Jesus. Now what was Uzziah doing? He was a king. Now he wanted to also become the priest. Whose space was he wanting to take? Jesus. Every time there is a spirit inside of you which tries to take the space of Jesus in your life, unless it dies, you will not be able to see the Lord. Unless that dies. In other words, if your boyfriend, your girlfriend takes a space of God in your life, unless that boyfriend, that girlfriend either dies, mm -hmm, or that relationship is dead, you will not be able to see God. What is that? Oh Lord, I want to see you. Why were the disciples not able to see? Because their hope was not in Jesus, the authentic Jesus. Somebody else. And that had to die. That had to be broken. You are not able to see Jesus. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests, priests of the Lord followed him in. And then you know what they did? They confronted King Uzziah. Can you be confronted? It is not right for Uzziah to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. 
who have been consecrated to burn incense, leave the sanctuary. For you have been unfaithful. And you will not be honored before by the Lord. Thank God for people who will confront us in our sin. But will you listen to them? Will you take counsel? Will you take reproof? Will you take correction? Uzai would have censor in his hand ready to burn incense became angry. Ah! While he was raging at the priests in his presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. What broke? Leprosy broke on his forehead. Leprosy. An outward sign of an inward malady. An outward sign of inward rebellion. Leprosy. When Azariah the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So he hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. Boy, can you imagine? One day he did not humble himself and say, Lord, forgive me. That is the reason why, you know what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 4, you know what Jesus says. There were hundreds of lepers in Israel. But who was healed? One Naaman the Syrian was healed. There were hundreds of widows in Israel. But where did Elijah go? Elijah go to the, went to the one who was in Sidon, that woman who will humble herself and accommodate the prophet. All the other people in Israel, they will never, never, ever acknowledge that spirit inside of them. The spirit of rebellion. And unless that dies in your life, you will never be able to see God. In the year King Uzziah died. What will happen? You know when you go to the temple that day? You know what will happen? The day you go to the temple when King Uzziah died, you know what will happen? You will see the Lord high and lifted up. You will have conviction for your sin. First thing, let Uzziah die in your life. Whatever the desire is. It could be a relationship. It could be a Anything in your life which taking the place of Jesus in your life, let it die. <sighs> Causing you to rebel against God. Let that die. Next. Go to the temple. Luke's Gospel chapter 18 verse 9 onwards. And he spoke this parable. Two men went to the temple <laughs> to pray. Who went to the temple? Two men. You know this story. One was seeing himself like Uzziah. And the other was seeing God. Like Isaiah. One was saying, Lord, voice me, Lord. The other was saying, you know what? I'm better than that fellow Lord. Who went to him justified? The tax collector. Who went from dignified? Pharisee. Dignified? Justified. Your choice. Go to this temple with this attitude. What else? Go to the temple to hear an authentic word which will convict you, which will grant you repentance. Verse 24, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And a servant of the Lord must, must not quarrel 
but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, meaning be have the attitude of submission to the word of God. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. In other words, even to repent, you cannot do it by yourself. God has to grant you that. This broken spirit, it's a gift from God. There's a contrite spirit, it's a gift from God. This attitude of poverty in spirit is a gift from God. So that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Go to the temple with an attitude of Isaiah, not Uzziah. Go to the temple to hear an authentic word. Third, go to the temple. Period. I mean, come to the house of God. People don't come to the house of God. They just think that by staying somewhere, God will speak to them. No, no, no. no. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 14. It's a very, very powerful powerful verse. It's a principle. You look at the principle. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. But if all prophecy and an unbe- and if but if but if all prophesy if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in he is convinced by all he is convicted by all and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his faith he will worship god you know what it means when people come together to the house of god with this attitude that you want to hear from god you know what will god do he will reveal the secrets of your heart and show you what you truly are in the light of his word come to the temple by faith Next, accept failure, not success. Accept what? Failure. Old cliche, failures are a bow. Really? Failures are stepping stone to success. How many of you like failure? I mean, I remember... Mikhail Thal. How many of you know Mikhail Thal? I mean, chess followers here. Mikhail Thal, when he started, I mean, he's considered to be one of the great chess greats. Uh, he's equal to Bobby Fischer. But Mikhail Thal was not very good when he started off his chess career. Not like Bobby Fischer. He was, Bobby Fischer was natural talent. Okay, he was like uh, Federer, the ballet dancer. Natural talent. Who? Bobby Fisher. Mikhail Tal was not. He used to lose, 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 lose. Lost so many games before he won the first time. After that he was unbeatable. Unbeatable. What it, what it tells me is this. God will allow failure in your life. Failure after failure after failure after failure. He will allow. You know why? He has to break you. Unless you are broken, you know, and Watchman Nee wrote this book, Breaking of the Outer Man and Release of the Spirit. Unless you are broken, there is no aroma of Christ coming out of you. And God has to allow failure. People don't like failure. How many of us like it? But do you embrace failure? I'm going to end with this. Moses who was learned in all the ways of Egyptians. For 40 years he thought he was a cat's whisker. The Messiah of Israel. God said, 
చాలా ఉంది నీళ్ళు మొత్తం ఇరగొట్టాలి నేను ఐ హ్యావ్ టు బ్రేక్ యూ ఫర్ ఫార్టీ ఇయర్స్ యూ డూ వన్ థింగ్ యూ టేక్ కేర్ ఆఫ్ నాట్ యువర్ ఓన్ షీప్ యువర్ ఫాదర్ ఇన్ లాస్ షీప్ యు నో ఇట్ ఎల్ టెల్ యూ సంథింగ్ టు బి డిపెండెంట్ అపాన్ యువర్ ఇన్ లాస్ is one of the most humiliating things that can happen to you in your life okay if you want to be broken ask for those kinds of in laws okay depend upon your in laws i like cecil demel cecil demel is a guy who wrote the script for 10 commandments this is what he has to say when moses is leaving pharaoh and he is going to 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 jethro right and he is going through that wilderness this is what he has to say as powerful you read this you'll have tears in your eyes into the blistering wilderness the man who walked with kings now walks alone torn from the pinnacle of royal power stripped of all rank and earthly wealth a forsaken man without a country without hope his soul soul in turmoil like the hot winds and raging sands that lash him with the fury of taskmaster's whip he is driven forward always forward by a god unknown for a land unseen into the molten wilderness where granite sentinels stand as towers of living death to bar his way each night brings the black embrace of loneliness in the mocking whisper of the wind he hears the echoing voices of the dark his tortured mind wonders if they call the memory of past triumphs or wail forebodings of disasters yet to come or whether the desert's hot breath has melted his reason into madness he cannot cool the burning kiss of the thirst upon his lips or shed the scorching fury of the sun all about his desolation he can neither bless nor curse the power that moves that moves him for he does not know from where it comes learning that it can be more terrible to live than to die he is driven onward through the burning crucible of desert where holy men and prophets are cleansed and purged for god's great purpose until at last at the end of human strength beaten into the dust from which he came the metal is ready for the maker's hand and you'll have tears in your eyes when you go through this you know what god is doing is sending failure after failure trial after trial to melt you to burn and to take away all that that is of flesh so that everything that is of god will remain in your life and you will be broken and ready for god and then he will he will appear to you and say moses deliver my people what can i do lord what can i do i'm nothing now you are ready moses now you are ready to be my instrument now you have the attitude of a poverty of spirit now you know that you are nothing without me all your degrees all your accomplishments could get nothing out of me not even an inch you could move with me with all your degrees this morning if there are people in the house of god who are going through failure let me tell you there is hope for you because god is breaking you breaking you breaking you breaking you break is coming i mean failure after failure is coming into your life you know why unless those things happen in your life you will not be ready for god you have to be broken peter was so confident until he was broken you know what he said lord i this christian life is not for me i will go fishing and the whole night he caught nothing i love that when you catch nothing you are everything in hands of god if you catch something then there's a problem 
That is the reason why somebody said, anything a man does without God, he fails miserably and he succeeds even more miserably. Even more miserably. Let the Lord break you this morning. There's no other way. The the best way to humble yourself, is to, to, to get humbled is to humble yourself. If you say, Lord, humble me. You know, we sing that song. What is that song? We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh spirit, come make us humble. Ammo. You know, when the spirit will come and make you humble, you will not like it. That is the reason why the best thing to do is to humble yourself and be a wise man. Wise man will humble himself. A foolish fellow or a, a general man, not mad, a natural man or an ordinary man will learn from his mistakes. A wise man will learn from Others' mistakes. A foolish fellow will never learn from anybody's mistake. His own mistakes. That is the reason why. Because not everybody who is in affliction is called Baba. Just because you are going through trouble, Lord will not say, oh, yo, because he knows you. You still like your misery. You still like that misery. You want to be there. That pundu is there nicely and you want that ah, ha, 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 feeling. God says, be there till you hate that sin. You are not ready. Not ready. But if you are ready, if you hate your sin, humble yourself. That is the reason why we have these periods in the church, corporate fasting and praying. And there's not so some things which you can do in private, but when you have these opportunities of corporate fasting and prayer, take, take advantage of those opportunities. You know, God is moving in a special way. Because it takes a church to make a man of God. Not any other thing, my dear brothers and sisters. If you are just loitering around, you are a loose electron. A loose electron. takes a church to make a man of God. Shall we pray this morning? Can we all stand up please in the house of God? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. You're a good God. Mercy endures forever. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Lord, many of us have to go through this process of breaking. Break us. Mold us. Lord, enable us to humble ourselves, Lord. Like David said, O Lord, I humble myself with fasting and prayer. And I seek your face. And even as your church, as a corporate body, goes through this time of seeking your face, I pray that you will visit your people. Lord, in order to deliver Israel, Isaiah had to be broken first. In order for a church to experience brokenness, the leaders have to be broken first. Lord, break us, Lord. Break me. Those of us who, break, who preach, oh Lord, break us. Break the fathers in the families who lead their homes. Break the managers in the workplaces who lead their teams. Make the leaders of organizations who lead their organizations so that they will be God's vessel. Lord, take us through this period and establish your government in our lives. Because Lord, we are, we, we look with expectancy, O oh Lord, to the coming year, O oh Lord, to the year where you are established, your government will be firmly established in our lives and to the increase of that government, there will be no end. 
grant us grace as a church, O oh Lord. To that end, I pray. Be with all of us as a church. Make us vessels of honor in your kingdom, in your house. Thank you, Father. Commit all your children, O oh Lord, in your hands. Plead the blood of Jesus over each one of our lives. May the love of God and the patience of Christ be found in your hearts through this week. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.